0: You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church.
1: This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Jen Wilkin and JT English. Um, Today's episode, we were supposed to have a guest in, but the guest had to cancel, um, which is not a problem. We'll hopefully have them on in the future. So we decided, you know what, let's just talk a little bit about how we do theology, like the question of theological method. Uh, this is where do you start when exploring an idea? How do you study? Where do you look for wisdom or counsel? How do you uh, build a theological library or follow a theological question? And so we had a great time talking about this. This is something that we do together a lot, uh, and so we know that this might be an area where you kind of um, you listen in, and you may feel like, "Wow, J.T. Jen. They just know the answers to these questions. And the fact is, is if you email us a question, most of the time what you don't see, you just get our response back. Most of the time, we we actually look at it. Like, we don't just instinctively know, hey, this is the answer to that question. But you as the listener and we as the podcast host typically approach questions the same way. We have to go and investigate and do research. And so we thought today might be helpful to just talk a little bit about how we do that as a team, how we do that individually. And so we hope you enjoy the discussion that it's fruitful. We realized that we've never done a podcast on how To do theology, and we get questions all the time. Somebody will email in um, one of us and just go, Hey, how do you actually begin to explore a topic? Or, There, I have this question, what am I supposed to do with this question? And so, we just figured maybe this would be helpful for us to talk a little bit about the question of theological method. So, theological method, just broadly, I guess you, I mean, you probably could define it any number of ways, but when we're asking questions of theological method, it's really um, the question of how do you explore theological truth? How do you answer a question? How do you consider a topic in the Bible or a a doctrinal topic? Uh, what do you do with a question when it's presented to you or when it kind of comes from just kind of inside of you? You feel like, man, I have this question and what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle it? Um, so we thought, let's just talk a little bit about
0: theological method. I love this topic. Why do you love this topic? Because I like theology. And I think doing it well is important
2: I feel so nervous Because JT is extra spicy today he is well, Am I? A little po-
1: bit You were poking me during the intro for
0: the last well, you know, podcast s- we recorded Well, yeah, I switched from coffee to tea today Maybe that's Well, it's it. not going well What, well, you're going like a hard switch? Well, I don't know I just felt like I needed to make a switch today okay. So I okay. made a switch Wait, so that's not making a switch It's you, been two days drink- It's been two days okay. I did it yesterday, I did it today And I feel good You feel good? Yeah Okay? You know I didn't start drinking coffee till like 3 years ago.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: Well, you oh, made up for lost time. Let me nights. tell
0: you let me tell you this story. Okay? This
1: is not related to the podcast. (laughs) Do we have time for stories? Yeah. Always. Great. So um, uh, my freshman year of college, I had never had a sip of coffee, but I go into the study hall that we had in our dorm and I saw a guy and he had coffee coffee grounds in a bag. And then he had like this set of toothpicks next to him. And it was like really late. We were both clearly studying or cramming for a test the next day. And I saw him kept doing things with the coffee grounds. I never had coffee. And I said, um, hey, what are you doing with those coffee grounds? And he showed me. He would take the toothpick and he would poke his gums to where they would start bleeding okay. and then he would take coffee grounds and put them no. in like a dip into his mouth. No. And he was like, that way the
0: caffeine goes right into the bloodstream. the grossest thing I've ever heard. And I
1: was like, Again. my goodness, man. No. But, so, but I'll tell you, the flip side to that story is that I thought, I don't think that's how you're supposed to have coffee. I don't know much about coffee. I've never had coffee. So the next day, I went to Starbucks and had a cup of coffee and fell in love with coffee. Yes,
2: because it's the best.
1: It is pretty great. It's definitely better that than that guy tea.
2: has a problem. But
1: yeah, wherever you you're at. I hope you are well, sir. I hope you pass your test and I hope you don't dip coffee. Yeah.
2: Anywhere. I know everyone has their markers of whether or not they're a good parent and the last time we were on vacation with our adult children we went out for afternoon coffee and when they approached us with the cream and sugar the whole table said oh no 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 we won't be needing those <laughs> and I was like I've done it I've raised four black
1: coffee drinkers and train up a child in the way they should get That's right well listen so we're going to be talking about theological method which may not sound exciting but I promise you you need it you need to have a method you need to think about how you're actually going to think through these kinds of questions and topics so let me just ask this question of you guys and this will get us going when i'm not
0: giving away my method it's like the secret sauce no it's
1: not <laughs> no. i've worked with you it's not too secret and it's not saucy um you are presented with a theological question or you're assigned a topic or you have an interest that's peaked. where do you start where do you start what's step one
0: wow dead air well, well like like, in a, like, in, like if somebody asks a question on like a topic
1: yeah. So just imagine a theological issue is presented to you. Yeah. It could be somebody uh-huh. assigned you a topic to teach on, mm-hmm. somebody emailed you a question, right? Because people have emailed us questions before you've given these questions. Oh, yeah, no, where no. where do you start? If you feel like you don't have yeah. an I mean, answer the simple answer, where I think, do you think the most go?
0: important answer is the Bible. The Bible is the is the normative, authoritative source for all Christians for our belief. Our thoughts, our patterns for living, our understanding of doctrine, our understanding of history and who Jesus is. So you go to the Bible. So you open up Genesis 1, (laughs) you read the whole Bible through, answer the question. Well, hopefully you have an understanding maybe of where this is addressed. If you've been in your Bible before, you'd want to go to those passages. Always reading them in context, of course, but you would want, I mean, in terms of a source. The first source I think somebody should go to is the Bible. Okay, so you get the, Jen, you get an email,
1: right? And it has a question, and the question is, uh, it, it, any number, I don't want to give you one because then we'll start answering that one. But it's just a question. Do you like? Are you like, man? I'm really familiar with Romans, and I'm going to Romans to answer any question that comes. Like, how, do you go to where you think the answer might be? What I think
2: you, JT kind of gave the Sunday school answer, so I'm gonna I'm gonna
0: speak up for the rest of us. You go to my office.
2: I come to. Well, <laughs> that's actually true. Oh my gosh. you're making a joke with that's No, maybe you're not. Are you serious? Because no, that I is. Making,
0: I was making a joke. No,
2: honestly, because for years, I was just kind of out there on my own and I had to kind of piece it together because you can only email your pastor so many times, you know, to get the answer to something. And um, honestly, that is one of my favorite things about working with you guys is if I do have a question like that. I can start in your offices yeah. and then kind of work my way out. Because typically it would just be over the years, I kind of learned a few people whose commentaries I trusted or whose, um, you know, whether it was a systematic theology text or, or a book that had a lot of theological questions answered. And, and of course, never thinking, oh, this is sacred, you know, but like this is a starting point. And so I would go to something like that, look at, look up generally what one person's position is and then look up the cross references that they have provided. And then what I think is really important for me is to then go to someone who believes a different version of that and hear their view on it. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like so much of my upbringing in the church was I was given one answer and told not to question it instead Mm -hmm. of, no, no, there are actually three ways you can think about this and still call yourself an Orthodox believer. Uh, In fact, I just had a question like this this morning uh, regarding different views of the creation account. And we did a podcast on that, right? Mm -hmm. And- um, this person very much wanted to know my position, and I said, I'm not going to give it to you because I can tell that the reason this person wants it is because they want to like discredit me as a believer mm-hmm. based on how I might answer. And but it also helps them to avoid doing the work of learning these other positions, right. and it has been so formative for me to, um, to really experience the tension between what I thought I believed and what someone else is saying. And then the the real issue here, though, I I made fun of JT, but if you are not growing in Bible literacy simultaneously as you're trying to answer these questions, then you will constantly be taking someone else's word for it. Mm -hmm. And so when you're a baby believer, the likelihood that you can go to the scriptures and figure something out is next to... Nothing. You need the help of teachers to yeah. help you with that. But as you grow in your faith and the more familiar you become with the scriptures, the more the place that you land will be grounded in your understanding of what the Bible says about that issue. Not just, oh, I read this guy's opinion and this guy's opinion and this one sounds the best.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I'm hearing a few things. You go to the Bible as your supreme source. Yeah. And then you want to make sure that you're doing this in community, which is something we've talked about and a lot. Long- we
0: beat that pavement all um, the time here. So the go to
1: community as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and get into a community of inquiry that you can think through these topics together. So that could be a local church. It could be a local Bible study. But find other people who seem to be walking with the Lord and bearing fruit in keeping with their profession of faith and repentance and that, b- that believe what Christians believe about the Bible and about who God is and then begin to do this with them,
0: right? Yep. I think it's important though that that community not just include Uh, contemporary community, but the historic community. And so the the more familiar that we can be aware of church history and the men and women who've gone before and thought about these issues well and at length. And I think it's also important to kind of have have a providential understanding of history that the same spirit of God who is indwelling us and illuminating the scriptures for us has been doing that for the church for 2000 Mm -hmm. years. And so we can trust uh, that the spirit has been guiding the church broadly into truth, certainly human error mixed in just like there is with us. So we, We kind of maintain humility, not thinking the spirit is leading us into all truth always, all the time, that he's leading the church into truth. And so the more that we're familiar with the historic creeds, the major controversies, the positions, the men and women who really shaped church history, uh, those those men and women should be a part of the community of faith that we're doing theology with.
1: That's helpful. That community is very big. So let's make sure that we
0: get a starting point. You would mm-hmm. say the starting point is? So certainly you would want to talk about the, the early church creeds. Okay. Specifically, I'm thinking about Nicaea and Chalcedon. Okay. You could go on from there uh, to some of the later ecumenical creeds. There's seven total, which I would include, but I would definitely want to emphasize Nicaea and Chalcedon, but also okay. just the Apostles' Creed, which is kind of this this uh, uh, really crystallized, simplified summary of the Christian faith that has really been confessed by believers all over like – universally, right. even to this day. All over the and world. that's
1: an easy resource to get. Like if you have your smartphone, you can pull up your smartphone and you go, okay uh, – nicaea mm-hmm. C- or nicene creed mm-hmm. or apostles creed or chalcedon creed and pull that up immediately yeah. that's not a book you have to go buy
0: right no no. Yeah. they're super short and what mm-hmm. those creeds are doing the more you familiarize yourself with them is they're kind of giving you the ground rules or the the boundaries which we can play in and do theology and so it's making sure that your christology and your trinitarianism and your understanding the of the story of the bible are intact and saying this is the field you need to plan outside of this field is out of bounds you can't draw theological conclusions out here. But in here, actually gives you kind of the appropriate parameters to read the Bible in. Okay, so a question shows up. I'm going to keep retracing our steps here because it can be easy
1: for somebody to go, because we do this a lot, it can Mm -hmm. be easy for it to just feel like, oh, it's just second nature. Of course you would do this. No, that's not really how... This starts. So uh, a question shows up, either a question that you have internally, you're reading the Bible, and something pops up on your radar. Or somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer, but you want to search it out. Where do you go first? You go to the Bible. Mm-hmm. And you want to go to the Bible. You don't want to do it alone, though. You want to do it in community. And two primary ways of thinking through that community are a local expression of the body of believers yep. or contemporary community. Getting your
0: best friend on speed dial and asking him, hey, am I reading this the right way? Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And
1: then, Or would you just read this with me mm-hmm. and pray and think through it with me and let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Yep. Um, and then the historic community. Yeah. And a great place to start there would be the creeds. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. do we go from there? So let's say somebody, they're exploring a topic. They've done that. They've, uh, so they've started with the Bible. They're, they're doing it in community. They've looked at what the church has historically said. Is that it? Is that like they've answered? They've answered the question. No,
0: I think we keep going. I would say pray, pray. I think it's really important as we're opening the scriptures to not have an overrealized view of self. Uh, that we, we we could always come to the text and come to the proper conclusions. As you look at church history, uh, men and women who've left the faith, or the uh, and not by left the faith in their own understanding, but who came to heretical conclusions, did so as they were reading the Bible, right? And so every, uh, I had a professor say to me once. Um, Every heresy starts with the Bible. And I think that's exactly right. So we can't Mm -hmm. necessarily trust that we're always coming to the proper conclusions. That should create a certain degree of humility in charity with us as we're engaging with other people but as we are praying that the spirit of god will lead us into truth as we are engaging others in communities seeking out the history of the church making sure we're doing our theology within the context of orthodoxy we would ask that the spirit would reveal insights to us in the text well say something more about
1: what you just said because i feel like somebody could hear that and go like what i thought you just said start with the bible so how could i start with the bible be looking at the bible and still end up with false belief
0: yeah, so I mean, if you look at the history of the church, every single heresy is birthed out of, a, out of a misunderstanding of the Bible. So the way the way we say it in the training program regularly is, I don't care that you're reading the Bible, I care how you're reading the Bible. All kinds of Christians, uh, or all kinds of non-Christians who believe they're Christians or thought they were over the history of the church, again, they're starting with Bible verses. So you think about Arius, the Gnostics, um, the story, I mean, there's, you just go down the list of, uh, of, of the history of the church, and nobody's disagreeing that the Bible is the authoritative source. Uh, that's just not something that happens in church history as it relates to heresy. They're all just disagreeing on the meaning of the text, and so it's really important that we're coming to the appropriate meaning of the text within the framework of orthodoxy, not just coming to our own conclusions about what we te- what we think the text says. That's the that's the road to the- theological heresy. Okay, so does so that make would, sense? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think so.
2: Yeah, I think I would add. This is. This is just sort of another angle to think of it from. Yep. Um, I, I like to ask myself, how important is this question? Yes. Like in the grand scheme of things, right? And so often you'll hear theological discussions divided into three different categories. There are essentials. These are the things that would be found in the creeds, the things that JT's talking about. Like the essentials are the things that if you're a Christian, we
1: Non-negotiable. have... Non-negotiable. Yeah,
2: these are the non-negotiables. So like the goddess triune, mm-hmm. you know, the nature of... Um, uh, the atonement, those kinds of things. Um, and then, then there are convictions, right? That's that next level. These are things that we're willing to fight pretty hard over. Um, things like, um, should baptism be babies or should it be confessing, believing adults? What, do you, you know, what are your views on that? And then there are things like preferences and preferences can be things like style of worship or um, what you should wear to church on Sunday. Or they could even be things that are more, you know things that you're seeing more uh, specifically in the Bible. But when you're thinking through like the question that you're asking, I'm going to give a lot of energy to making sure I understand the essentials and I'm going to devote a fair amount of energy to things that I feel a deep conviction around. But the things that I feel a deep conviction around, I'm not going to stiff arm somebody else for disagreeing with me. I may strongly disagree, but I'm still going to call that person my brother or sister in the faith Mm -hmm. and preferences. I'm probably not going to talk about them a whole lot. Yeah. You know, they, they just don't really, I mean, if someone asks and I feel like I have enough trust with them or a background with them for us to have the conversation, then I will, but I'm, I'm for darn sure not going to spend a lot of relational capital on them or even energy thinking about them beyond their usefulness to me as an Orthodox believer.
1: The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I think, and what you're getting at, Jen, is, um, and I've heard you say this before, but it's not just that we come to the Bible looking for question or looking for answers. We come to the Bible looking for what the questions are. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not just like, okay, I've got this question and I need to find the answer to it. It's like, no, 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 no. What questions is scripture answering? Like, right. what are the questions it is concerned about?
2: Right.
1: Uh, and then the creation story is a great example of that. So often the questions we end up asking of the creation account It has no interest. It has just no It's just not, it's just not interested in answering the question. Now, could you deduce an answer that's reasonable or faithful in light of what scripture says? Yes, but you have to do it knowingly uh, or knowing that you're not asking the same kinds of questions it's interested in. So I think we've got some great steps there of how to begin. Let's maybe talk for a minute about what are some of the common pitfalls in theological or biblical study and how do you avoid them? So where do you see people kind of get stuck in the mud uh, or end up? Um, holding wrong belief or confused or confounded? What are some of the common things that you see people get stuck on? How do you avoid those?
0: We've already hit some of these, but if I could encourage anybody in one thing, I'm always trying to encourage them to do theology in community. It's just so much harder to get stuck in a bad belief or wrong I mean, other than cults, right? <laughs> it depends yeah. what community you're doing it in, of course. <laughs> but to do to do theology in the context of your local church, in the context of people who are in your home group or in classes, or people that are uh, you know in your perhaps your same youth group or BSF Bible set, whatever it might be, to be doing theology and trying to articulate things and learn things together is really important. The second thing I would say is missing sources in theology. So far, we've only talked about one source of theology, right? Hmm. What what, what is that?
1: Well, we talked about scripture Uh, and then we mentioned I guess we talked about tradition. Yeah, yeah. But the Bible. Yeah.
0: Uh, And so the Bible is certainly a source of theology. So is church history and tradition is a source of theology. You could argue that experience is a source of theology, Mm -hmm. that we're living in God's world. It's kind of more of a general revelation that, Mm -hmm. I mean, the heavens declare the glory of God. The stars proclaim his handiwork from day to day, pours forth his speech. And so uh, I think you'd also want to say things like the sciences, uh, I mean, I had a professor at DTSA, all truth is God's truth. So we mm-hmm. should be seeking out truth everywhere. I don't care if that's in sports medicine or in physiology right. or in physics or psychology, uh, realizing that those things should fit under the normative truths of scripture. Uh, if they fall outside the bounds of scripture, then they can't be true. Uh, but if they are not contradicting scripture itself, then we wouldn't want to seek theology there because right. those things are true and ultimately can teach us about God. Um, yeah. I think missing I think, sources. Yeah, I think missing
1: sources is a huge one. I think another one is just um, arriving at like opinions really quickly, yes. <laughs> yeah. and then holding them really <laughs> firmly. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the most common pitfall. Um, is just if somebody starts in on this theological task, oftentimes what you'll see. Is they want to get to their positions really quickly? Yeah, like they want they don't want to do any of the digestion. They but they want the position mm. really fast, and then once they have it, they want to hold it really tight. Yeah, and I think that's okay. If it is with the essentials, but it normally isn't. It's right. normally with convictions. I see it all the time with Calvinism and election. That is like in our little community, that's right. the quickest one. It's like they move like they move from, I don't think that this is a, f- a faithful way of understanding God to this is the only faithful way to understand God. And when mm-hmm. that switch flips, they hold it with like such ruthlessness Mm -hmm. that it's like they can't see that well there are some tension in the text so i think one of the common pitfalls i would just say is getting to positions quickly and holding them fiercely and then i'd say the second one which is connected to that is there are just places in the bible where the position is not resolvable right there's tension and the tensions on purpose Mm -hmm. i see this in john six all the time when jesus is like um the only people who come to me are the ones who the father sends me but anyone who comes to me, I will not turn away. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, well, who, then who gets to come to you? Well, everybody who the Father sends me. Well, who does the Father send you? Well, everybody who he does send me, I will not turn away. So it's like this tension of like, well, who belongs to the Father? Well, everybody who he sends to the Son. Well, who's the Son going to accept? Everybody who the Father sends to him. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's this tension here. Of it's like it's all, but it is also exclusive. And it's just like, well, how do we resolve it? We don't. We just live in the tension. Jesus doesn't end the, end the thing by going, let me land the plane for you and make it real simple. He's right. Like, no, there's a tension here. And we just have to live in that tension. So those are some of the pitfalls that come to mind for me.
2: I think a lot of us come into these conversations unaware of our own implicit biases or our own tendency to gravitate toward a particular interpretation on something because of our past Mm -hmm. or because of our hurts and uh, or even because of our positive experiences. Right. And it is a very hard thing to separate those out. And I know JT loves to say it. I know it's not unique to you, but that all theology is autobiography. No doubt. And I think that's a really important thing for us to take into account because the things that I Teach on the most. The themes that I gravitate toward are very much a product mm-hmm. of of my history in the church, of my history in my family, of my history in my friendships. They're all shaping that um, emphasis. So I think it's it, it, it's it's with matter of emphasis. I'm going to land in a certain place more often than other places because of where I came from. And yeah. so is Kyle, and so is JT. And that's that's it's not. By definition, wrong, but it can be. If you only love certain kinds of mm-hmm. theological positions, it's probably an indicator. So like if you grew up in a heavily legalistic background, you're going to really gravitate toward the doctrine of grace in a way that can get off balance and vice versa. Okay. And so I think knowing your lean can make a big difference in how you approach any theological discussion, but also understanding that it's okay for me to have more of an emphasis in one area and JT to have sort of a balancing emphasis somewhere else, because again, theology occurs in community mm-hmm. and, and, and it takes his voice and my voice saying slightly different, pushing on slightly different tensions in order for all of us to hear something land probably in about the right place.
0: I like that a lot. I think that's really helpful. I, the first answer I gave is where do you go uh, when you read the Bible, when you, come, or when you have a question of theology, you go to the Bible first. It is really important what Jen is emphasizing here, not just in terms of our own stories and history and, and, and backgrounds, but even just in terms of the way we think about the world. We all have presuppositions yeah. uh, that shape, and inform the way we read the Bible. And so, uh, I've heard a lot of people say that the goal of Bible reading is to try to lose all of your presuppositions before you come to the text. Like just come to the text as a uh, you know blank kind slate. of yeah blank slate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, wouldn't that be great if we could? The, the challenge is none of us can. Right. We absolutely are all coming to the text with preconceived notions, understandings, and assumptions. The question is, are we coming to the text with Christian assumptions, yeah, presuppositions? And, yeah. and, and so we have, that, that's what I mean by doctrine. We should have kind of doctrine in the church history and the creeds coming to bear as we read the text.
1: Yeah, I think that's so helpful. And I can think of, you know, I can think of, and I've said on this podcast before, but so I, for a number of years, thought a lot about male female stuff i worked for an organization edited pieces on complementarianism wrote pieces on complementarianism spent a lot of time looking at the issue of men and women but particularly in genesis one and two and it wasn't until we were i was having a casual conversation with jen one day where she said in genesis two what's the thing that's really celebrated there is it uh, and i said well it's I mean, immediately my head was, I was like, oh, it's differences. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve are different. And Jin said, no, it's that they're the same. And I had never, ever heard that. Mm -hmm. I had read, I mean, and again, I'm not boasting. I'd read hundreds of pages on this topic. Hundreds of pages. I had written (laughs) lots of words on this topic. I had edited lots of words on this topic. And nobody had ever pointed out what is the clear reading of Genesis (laughs) 2 to me. Nobody. And why? Because they were all white men coming from the same circles. They Nobody had ever pointed out and just said, hey, isn't that interesting? Now, it's not that that position wasn't out there. It is the clear reading of Genesis yeah. 2. It's that I had never been around somebody to go like, hey, do you not see this? It's super obvious. It's right here. Yeah. So I think that you guys are absolutely right that when you're reading the Bible in community, some of those things just come to the surface really quick.
0: Yeah. And I, well, it's something you're emphasizing there too, that I think the village is trying to grow in our, our, our posture and understanding is trying to read not only in our community, but in a diverse community. Yeah. yeah trying to invite community. other other kind of kinds of authors and speakers into speaking about the text, because there is no doubt that as we invite diverse authors, both men and women or speakers or uh, authors and speakers and writers, commentators from diverse ethnic or socioeconomic backgrounds we will get new insights in the text that we just simply can't see and that's not a bad thing. That's why it's beautiful that the church is this diverse community of brothers and sisters helping each other see the beauty of God in more more incredible and glorious ways. Yeah.
1: I think one thing that we're not, we haven't talked about but we're all, like, I know that we all do it is that we consult a biblical or theological library Mm -hmm. that we have. So, like, for somebody who's out there listening or that maybe they're a regular listener to Knowing Faith, how would you coach them in beginning to build a biblical and theological library? So outside of just having the Bible, um, so make sure you have a Bible or have access to the Bible. But outside of that, how would you begin to say, like, this is how I would build a biblical or theological library? How would you coach them? Any opinions here?
0: I've definitely got some.
2: <laughs> I don't know that mine. Are, mine are kind of like the layperson who wandered in the dark for years That's trying to figure this more out. Yeah. Yeah. Than what I have to yeah. offer. So what? I mean, what I did is I found um, a few good eggs. Like people, I could tell were not way off the reservation mm-hmm. on things. And then once I developed sort of a sense of okay, this person is pretty much straight down the middle on things. I started reading their footnotes because those people are drawing on people who have done work before them, mm-hmm. and then I would read. So I went for for me a lot of it was it was R.C. Sproul. He was sort of the lay person's theologian. He's so good. Yeah. And so that was my starting point. And I mean, I was aware, you know, like of where he leaned and didn't lean. You can you can tend to pick up on those things. But then so like when I started reading about the attributes of God in, in his book, well then I say, Where is this coming from? And I look in his footnotes and he's footnoted A. W. Tozier and he's footnoted Arthur Pink and Stephen Charnock. And so I went and got those books and I read those books. And it then you can even see how Sproul has picked and chosen among the ideas of those three authors and, and and you can ask questions like well I wonder why he said this and not this mm-hmm. that Charnock said so that helped me as just a person out there doing the work and in fact I had a conversation with a Bible teacher who's been teaching for 30 years Who she she said she didn't know who to go to at first and she just grabbed every single thing out there mm-hmm. and then over time began to realize oh wait a minute you know you can even, even that even though you may end up initially more confused than illuminated over time, you begin to get a grip on yeah. what's aligning with scripture, but it's not, we want it to be simple, right? Like we want the, the quick answer. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, going back to kind of what you were touching on earlier, Kyle, I talk about this a lot with Bible literacy. None of this is easy. Yeah, this it's is this is not the easy part of discipleship. No, yeah, no, you know, right. it, this is taking up your cross just as much as any other thing that you attempt to do as a follower of Christ. It gets easier right. like everything. It never gets easy, but it gets easier. And that learning, you know, anyone can tell you who is in a field of education that the best environment for learning to occur in a way that it will stick to you is for you to feel the dissonance of what you do not know. Mm-hmm. And so learn to welcome that feeling instead of try to get rid of that feeling as quickly as possible. And 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 then whatever insights you are gaining, although it may take more time, they're going to be more meaningful and lasting.
0: Yeah, that's I really, think that's really, really helpful. helpful. I mean, I, I think that's a great answer. I especially like the part on, at the end there talking about, well, the footnote part was great too. I think that's a great way to kind of start tracing arguments and, and, and uh, different authors. But I also like... Uh, the people like i have a family member who would fall into the category that you just fell into like they always call me with like how do i know what i'm reading is accurate mm-hmm. i'm like well you just keep reading
2: that's right you know <laughs> you you just you just
0: you just keep reading and
2: don't talk about it a whole lot for a while yeah. like just yeah. keep
0: reading and you just have to start somewhere and and i would not encourage you to start by googling your question yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know so if that right. um, my answer is probably a bit different just because my story is different right. and so i i got saved and a few years after was enrolled in a seminary and was having you know just these cobs of books given not given to me i bought every single one of them Believe me, I've got mm-hmm. the bill at home to prove it. But, but I was I was kind of introduced into the theological conversation not not by doing what you were doing. So for me, it was, and what I'm really grateful for is it was uh, I was kind of introduced to some of the um, maybe you'd say like the Mount Everest kind of theologians and thinkers early, early on for me. Like I didn't go to seminary later in life for 15 years after I become a Christian, but literally a couple years after I did. So within two or three years of becoming a Christian, I was reading Bavink and Augustine and Edwards and Owen and Calvin. And so for me, and I'm not, doesn't, you don't need to read all of those authors, but I would encourage you that I like reading authors that have staying power. Mm-hmm. I don't want to read the author that was on the shelf this year and off the shelf next year. Right. Yeah, yeah I, There's so much good stuff out there that I would just encourage readers, don't spend a lot of your time reading stuff. Isn't the best because there's a lot of really, really mm-hmm. good stuff.
1: Yeah, and I would almost encourage you, uh, <clears throat> if you could read 30 blogs this next year or three books, read three books. Amen. Uh, preach that. Read three yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Find three good books on a topic you're interested in about who God is or what He's done or what he's said in the Bible, and read those three books. Read them slowly. Mm-hmm. Read them methodically. Um, and so we uh, should
0: think about doing like a like a, res- like a like a podcast on resourcing on books. Oh, that would be.
1: But totally also, fun. Kyle. Let's
2: put this in the notes for the show. Let's give them a few starting points. What do you say, guys? I think so. so.
1: Well, outside of scripture, what, just real quickly, what is your go-to resource? Like if there was a book that you're like, if I'm not, if, if, I, if the Bible's not in front of me and I got a question, I'm probably going to go
0: over here. From, uh, can I, I'm going to give two answers because well, I want to. Of course you can. Because, because I want to I take yours too because I know what <laughs> yours is going to be. Say for it. For me, it's either Calvin, uh, okay. John Calvin, or Herman okay. uh, What? What from those guys? Because they have a lot. Uh, so John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion, or yep. Herman Bavinck's Reform Dogmatics. Uh, they're doing systematic theology, they're doing biblical theology, philosophy, history. Like they're just they're doing their their projects are so all encompassing yep. that they're I, I almost never have a question that isn't addressed in some way, shape, or form in those. That's great. Candy. I'm
2: scared to tell you mine because you won't like it.
1: No, it'd be fine. Well, this is a culture of grace.
2: I like kinda. Louis Louis Burkoff.
1: Yeah, no, oh, he's, yeah, great.
2: He's, great, yeah. he's he's my systematic theology text that was given to my husband. Yeah. gave it to me on my thirtieth birthday. F- so, it's
0: fantastic, but you know already, how like yeah. you
2: get familiar. This like for me, it's an issue of familiarity. I know where things are on the page in that book now, and so it's not that I think he wrote the final word on it, but it's just my sort it of my great, home base.
1: It is a great systematic theology. <laughs> yeah, no, you passed the test.
2: Yeah, and then honestly, in terms of like wanting to know, hey, what verses would be associated with this general theological mm-hmm. topic? Um, I like essential truths of the Christian faith by R.C. Sproul, um, because they'll give some cross-references, just as a place to get me started. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not like, oh, that's all the verses in the Bible on this. And then another thing that I think is really helpful is something like New City Catechism. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything, you know, catechisms are not a new idea. And they're a great snapshot with with the associated, here's why, this is the way we answer this question. And so that, I think, is a really useful tool. That's, that's
1: really good. good. Kyle? You already took it. Uh, but so did I like, really? Yeah, Calvin's Institute. Calvin. I mean outside of yeah, outside of What Calvin. would be what would be after that? Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of kind of joking and not. <laughs> um all at the same time. Listen, if there's that anything can't be your
0: answer. No, 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 no. What,
1: what is your second answer? Uh, well, I was about to conclude the show. <laughs> I know you were. I want your answer. Outside of Calvin's Institute? Yes. Um Yeah, I mean, I would say that Boving's Reform Dogmatics would be very high for me. Outside of Boving's Reform Dogmatics, it would be uh frankly it would probably be the work of john frame yeah i go, I go to frame a lot huh. he's super formative on me particularly his lordship series doctrine of god mm-hmm. doctrine of the knowledge of god doctrine of the word of god those three volumes part of it was adam as a professor right and then he was recycled a lot of my education and so those that that work is really helpful for that's me. great it's a contemporary work but he is unique in that
0: capacity it, it will be a work
1: that lasts it will it will be a work that lasts a long time for more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about what it means to be created and live in God's image. Because Jen has a book coming out on the topic.
0: Yay! Woo. Yeah. Yeah. There's fireworks going off in here. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs>
1: Um, Listen, we hope you enjoyed the discussion today. See you next time. Grace and peace.